welcome to Make Change Fun and Easy with your happiness expert, Samia Bano. This is the podcast to help change makers, coaches, trainers, and healers break your chains of fear so you can create the impact and income you desire with fun and ease. Please make sure you subscribe to enjoy every episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, sasrikal, aloha, hola, ciao, bonjour, buna, and privet. It's really, really good to be with you again, and you will be really happy you are with us because we have a very awesome guest with us today, and it's Hanifa Menon, who is a grief recovery and brain retraining guide. I think that is so cool. Welcome, Hanifa. Thank you so much, Samia. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. I'm so happy you're here with us. And I will ask you to please, first of all, tell us more about who you are and what you do. Alrighty then. Thank you for that uh, welcome. And um, I loved all of the hellos you said in every language. It was so beautiful. So I can tell you that, uh, yes, my name is Hanifa Menon. I am a grief recovery and brain retraining guide, as you mentioned. I used to be a naturopathic doctor for 21 years, and I feel that this movement into grief recovery and brain retraining has been very beneficial to the clients that I work with, largely because it focuses on self-empowerment. And that, to me, is something that a lot of times when people are working with healthcare professionals, there becomes a reliance on the professional for uh, direction and for um, treatment and for management. And I believe that people have the strength to to be empowered themselves. And I feel that's the greatest gift that any practitioner can help their clients uh, achieve or patients achieve. And I'm doing this today and I'm loving it. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that because I agree with you uh, that a lot of times we do develop uh, dependence on, uh, because, you know, oftentimes we see our doctors and healthcare professionals that we, I mean, we're trusting them with our lives and there's a tendency to just sort of, um, in some ways, I don't know if taking for granted is the right word, but uh, probably not the right word. But, you know, we, we do develop a dependence and a reliance on their knowledge. And, um, you know, of course, uh, in, in its own way, that's really important. Because if you don't have a healthy, trusting relationship with your healthcare providers, I mean, that would create its own problems. And at the same time, we do have to, I think, recognize that ultimately it's our bodies and we have to um, to to realize that we have to be the experts of our own bodies and our own lives. I you make me think of my my dad, who has always been the person in our family 
who has raised our consciousness when it comes to these kinds of issues. He's amazingly um, practiced at being aware of what's happening with his body. So when he's not feeling well, um, or even when he's receiving treatment, you know, he's able to observe the impact that it's having on him. And so when I have had the opportunity to visit uh, a healthcare professional with him and he is um, communicating with the person the, the, with the care provider about what's going on with him he's able to be so detailed and you know just um, um, is like an excellent patient in that sense because he's able to tell the healthcare provider, okay, you give me this medication and it had this impact on me or I've been experiencing these symptoms. <laughs> and yeah. Self-awareness for sure. Indeed, indeed. And I have always been in amazement of it because I I try to be inspired by his example and I must say in the recent years, I have been becoming better with my own body awareness. But for most, most, most of my life, I've had pretty terrible body awareness. So, <laughs> Well, it's very interesting that different things in our lives bring us to that space of even an interest in having that awareness. It's probably a background awareness for most people. And yet... There's also, you know, you said uh, the word, um, he has a reliance. Um, so this was this reliance on others. Um, it's nice to be able to have an equal reliance on ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So if we feel that I can only be reliant on something outside of me, it does give the illusion that only something outside of me can help me. Then yeah. digging, we look at healthcare, we know there's so much tied in with this. There is so much, whether we think political, whether we think governmental, whether we think financial, there are directions that are being pointed at people constantly. And then there's this faith, this this faith without even fully understanding all those those little background cues that are happening. Mm -hmm. But in healthcare, we do understand, but even in healthcare, I think a lot of times even healthcare practitioners can turn a blind eye to that because of course, if a healthcare practitioner's whole income is dependent on people needing them, then they're also dependent on people needing them. So then it goes back and forth that way. So it's again, it's just an awareness to have on all sides, right? Which uh, again in itself could be a grief awareness that, oh, I, that brings me some feeling of loss if I'm that open about, you know, you're as strong as I am. and does it, should it bring a loss or a feeling of empowerment on both sides, right? So when I train you to be empowered, it empowers me too, right? It's Whereas in historically, I believe the way that healthcare professionals have been trained and have been encouraged to move in, in the world has been more about, I'm the expert and I will help you understand, right? That sort of idea. And so then that becomes that space of dependence as you, as you said, and on both sides. Yes. I hear you. I hear you. You know, um, wow. So a couple of threads that I would love to uplift from what you were just sharing. Uh, first, maybe just an observation about something that I love about you. 
that every time we have a, a conversation, you, uh, I, I notice you raising awareness about limiting beliefs that we can form uh, without necessarily even realizing it. For example, right now, you just raised awareness around how we can develop a limiting belief around, you know, what the, this idea of, oh, I need someone or something outside of myself to be able to help myself in the context of my health and um, other issues as well, I'm sure. So uh, I find that really important, um, you know, being aware of our limiting beliefs because they are limiting. They are. And you know what's so interesting about it? It's this idea of we're all the same. We're all the same. So even when we think about limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. we can see much more similarity amongst all of us. But we have a tendency to differentiate that, okay, this is a practitioner, this is a healthcare provider, this is a parent, this is a child, this is um, someone older than me, someone younger than me, and then we have all these, but it's all of us are carrying all of this. In the collective consciousness, we're all the same. We're all receiving the same information. So to be aware of it helps all of us, right? So this is what I believe. Indeed. You know, like, I believe you are very self-aware yourself. I honestly think that, uh, again, it's only when we actually pay attention to, hey, I actually do get that. I just haven't spent time thinking about it or being becoming more aware of it, right? Mm -hmm. That sort of idea. So the second thing that I heard you mention, although in passing, but I think I would love to uh, focus our conversation today on that, is the idea of grief recovery. Uh, because I know that, um, you know, you have a really excellent um, way of understanding that. And I would love to learn more about grief recovery uh, from you. Um, please tell me more. Oh, I'd be so happy to, you know, this is uh, my passion. And grief recovery is a process of working through, it's a particular model of working with grief and a lot of people have heard the word grief and many people will link it to things like death or uh, divorce sometimes separation um, sometimes a move um, something about loss and grief often linked to loss of relationships and i think in common language in grief recovery specifically we look at grief as any experience that has a conflicting emotion and that could be any two emotions, any two different emotions. So let's say we can easily think of someone who is caregiving for uh, an ailing parent, for example, and the parent passes away. So then a person would feel that, oh, because the person passed away, this is a grief situation. But there might be a relief in the person too, that, oh, I couldn't handle seeing them suffer, or I couldn't handle the strain it was having on me. And so there's a little bit of relief as well as the, the grief of the experience. But the other thing can happen too is good, fantastic situations that we think of. We think of someone getting married. It's like so exciting and that's hope like it's, it's the person that they're in love with, right? And they're getting married to this person. So excited. But so there is this excitement about getting married and this whole new experience and a little bit of fear of, oh, I'm going to be losing where I was living or my independence or um, maybe a person's with their family still or maybe they're living independently. Either way, it's a change. So there's a little bit of fear as well as the excitement. So that's a conflicting emotion, which would then in this process be called grief. 
And then recovering over grief, where most people think about, I just got to get over this. It's not so much about this recovering because it is an impact on the body. And if you think of this conflicting emotion, can you imagine how many we're all carrying? So whether we're starting a new job, that can be a grief situation. I let go of the old job and I'm in a new job. And even if it's all very exciting, there's still that loss of the old job. Then there's that I had a great relationship with my boss in my old workplace and now this boss and I don't get along. So another grief, but it's thing after thing after thing. So even starting school and finishing school is starting of a school is like something exciting but fearful because it's something new and then the finishing of school is so exciting to be finishing but what am I going to do now all of those things are grief situations so everyone is carrying quite a bit of grief from this perspective yes you're Mm. so you're so right about that you're so right about that I mean we carry conflicting emotions all the time and and I I think this is truly like when it comes to mental health when it comes to emotional intelligence I think this is a point of struggle for like so many people that when they have conflicting emotions they 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 don't know how to go about processing them or even feeling about the fact that they have conflicting emotions and how to manage them um and and things like that um so can you can you tell me a little bit more about your perspective maybe on the role of emotions um you know i mean hey thanks for tuning into this episode hope you're getting value out of it For your information, this episode has been sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Are you a change maker, coach, trainer, or healer? Are chains of fear holding you back from making the impact and income you desire? Using a unique combination of positive psychology and the spiritual wisdom of our most effective change makers, the Happiness 101 program helps you break through your limiting beliefs and manifest the abundance and success you desire with fun and ease. Interested? Book a free Happiness 101 exploration call with me, your happiness expert, Samia Vano. Just use my online calendar link in the show notes. Now back to the show. I, yeah, I would love to expand on that. Actually, it's, it's a beautiful question, Samia. So I, I believe I'm understanding the directions. If I take a different direction, you remind me what you really mean then. Okay, so if in my interpretation I've understood correctly, this whole idea of emotions we haven't many people have not really been trained about their emotions anyway so it's something that we just kind of oh yeah well people have sadness people have happiness people have so it's just it's just taken as it's part of life and you'll learn how to deal with it yes. as you go along yeah. and you can but not many people are shown the importance of it of understanding our emotions so then when we are actually at a space where we actually want to understand it's usually at a time of crisis 
So I'm so sad, let's say in a grief situation, I need to know how to work with this. And then we just focus on sadness. Yeah. And this is the thing about um, grief recovery. We don't look at just sadness. We look at sadness and joy. We look at sadness or anxiety. We could look at worry. We can. There's all these different emotions that are coming up as this grief picture. And that conflicting emotion, again, that you were right in mentioning emotional intelligence, because once we're understanding emotions, then we can learn from them. You know, I would love to direct people. It's so ironic. I'm just in the middle of um, writing an article and I will uh, give just a little bit of direction to any of your listeners, anyone who has not read a particular poem by Rumi called The Guest House, I would strongly encourage that. And in this, this whole idea is about being welcoming to each guest as emotions that come to us. So each one that's flowing through. If we have resistance at the door, believe me, we will definitely see that visitor again, or the visitor will just be standing outside our door the whole time. So unless we're actually acknowledging this is here and welcoming it, because it's our fear that holds us back from that too, right? That uh, what if I can't handle anxiety? What if I can't handle grief? What if I can't, that sort of idea. But no one says that about joy or happiness, right? Yes. Um, recognize emotions. When we recognize emotions are all transient. They, they come, they yes. go, right? But to be able to manage them and actually to learn from them and to actually move forward that, okay, now if we understand that grief is affecting all of us, can I be more compassionate to someone else who's going through a completely different experience than me, right? So they've lost a parent, I've lost a parent. I haven't, but if that has happened, and not recently, and if that has happened, we know that this is the whole idea of, it's okay for them to handle it in this way. This is their connection with their parent. This is their way of dealing. Some people will go to the cemetery very regularly to visit a parent that's buried. Another person might rather not visit or perhaps they had had a cremation. And there's all sorts of judgments that people put into all of these things too, rather than just acknowledging that this is how this person is working through their grief. This is how, and it's okay. We've stopped being okay about differences, right? And this is what mm -hmm. happens in life, that as we become more and more particular about things should be this way, and how I see it is how you should see it. That's what creates more conflict in the world. Right. And the limiting beliefs. Because yeah. you think things can only be this way. Yes. Yeah, oh. if we come back to this idea of loss in, in yeah. even a family, yeah. everyone, there could be five siblings that lose a parent. And each sibling is going to handle it slightly differently. And often right within this family, each sibling is judging another. They shouldn't be thinking about this this long. They should be over it by now. Or they should come with me to the cemetery or whichever way, right? So all of these things that even within a family, if we can see this, we can see how we're affecting each other nationally, internationally, same thinking. It's so true. And our emotions have such a powerful impact on our thinking and vice versa like our thinking has a very powerful impact on our emotions and our emotions have a powerful impact on our thinking so they're definitely sort of like feeding each other and so um you know when it comes to the judgment piece um 
being aware of our emotions and how they're impacting our emotions is so critical because you can't even really begin to change your thoughts around an issue unless you are also um you know managing your feelings around it and shifting your feelings around it uh in so far as they may need to be shifted in order to shift the mindset <laughs> because there's no way you can begin to think a different way about something unless you're also able to begin to feel a different way about it yeah and it's interesting because i think for expanding into a lot of different areas if we're looking at grief recovery i know it's uh almost like a, it's a narrow down way of looking even though it seems more expansive right it seems like okay we're looking at all emotions but we're even expanding beyond right so if we look at emotions in general and we think oh if i can change my emotions that's very much how a medical model would look at it right mm-hmm. that okay we need to get over um fear we need to get over grief or we need to know how to manage this and we don't think that way about happiness or joy right but there are both emotions so again when i come back to that reference of gloomy yeah. this idea of these emotions they come and they go and if we can just give them some attention right that's what we do like it doesn't take anyone to tell us to give happiness attention because when it's here we're really excited about it but when we thought sadness or grief we give it a lot of less than positive attention we will judge ourselves as you said yeah. we're talking about judgment that we'll judge ourselves but then we'll judge others about it too that yeah. right so in that but then we look at thought too and i know you know this is my world so i'm making sure that i'm sharing with your yeah. clients as much as possible and it's a lot of information but when we think about thought if you can remember that thought today is based on my experience yesterday So my thoughts today is based on my experience yesterday which shapes how I think today. Today's thought is yesterday filtering through this present moment into projection into the future. So when I think of changing my thoughts, unless I'm able to clear my mind of my past thought, I'm just carrying along the past to my future. Right. Right. That is so true. That is so true. So like in in the way that I might frame that is our thoughts are basically a result of the beliefs that we hold and our beliefs are formed on the basis primarily on the basis of our experiences so i see i i'm on board with you about that and i also you know um i think the thing i would love to dig deep with you um right now is this idea that you bring up about when we have what we generally think of as the positive emotions like happiness and joy uh you're so right that we take them for granted in the sense that you were saying that we don't feel a need to pay attention to them and you know uh we don't think about um yeah it's just like oh i'm happy so it's fine um you know but for sure for sure like as a happiness expert uh that is uh something that i am always working on 
for myself and with my clients that I'm like, no, we really do need to pay attention to when we're feeling happy, when we're feeling joy, when we're feeling peace, when we're feeling calm, because all of these emotions are in fact giving us signals as well of what we are doing right and what our mind, our body, our heart needs us to do more of. Because just as we need to pay attention to what not to do, we need to pay attention to what to do. <laughs> that is really, um, and it actually, this reminds me of, you know, in our scripture, the Quran, for, that's the scripture for the Muslims, um, you know, it so often when it talks about doing good, it also talks about don't do evil, don't do evil and do good. So it's like you can't just not do evil. You also have to do good or you can't just do good. You also have to not do evil. Yeah, Yes. And it also actually makes me think about a, a more specific story that's more specifically related to the emotional aspect of, of things and the point you were making before. And this is a story related to a scholar whose name I cannot remember. But the story goes um, something like this that uh, the scholar was actually with a group of his students and he was teaching and some person uh, came from outside and they went up to the teacher the scholar and they said something in the person's ear and the scholar took a pause and he seemed to like give a moment of uh, reflection on something silently, didn't say anything. And then he proceeded to teach his class. And then after some time went by, this person came back into the room, went to the scholar, said something in their ear. And once again, the scholar seemed to take a moment, like took a pause and seemed to take a moment to reflect on something and then just continue to teach. And um, after class was over, some of the students asked the scholar, would you mind sharing with us what happened when this person came in? What did they say? What? were you thinking about like what was going on there would you mind sharing with us and so the scholar is like i'm happy to tell you so he says the first time the person came um he gave me news that a trade ship that i had invested in sank and um um you know so uh basically i uh um, you know, and, and uh, like all of my investment basically um, sank with it, right? So big loss. And he said, in that in that moment, um, as I um, processed the news, um, I was checking how I was feeling about it. And and after a moment of reflection, I noticed or I realized that because uh, 
um, that I was able to feel calm about the situation because I've trust in God that God will take care of everything. And so I moved on and, you know, we, we continued with our class. And then the, the second time that the person came, um, he gave the news <laughs> that there had been a mistake made and it was not my ship, but my investments that sank. It was some other ship and my ship and my investments are actually just fine. And so in this case also, as I heard the news, I processed it, uh, news and I reflect, uh, I mean, I, ref um, I was noticing how I was feeling and, and I was, um, you know, satisfied to know that in this instance, also, I was able to reach a place of calm feeling because I trust God and believe that, you know, God is taking care of everything and all will be well. It's beautiful. That's it. That's, that's how life is, isn't it? It's, um, and that's a beautiful story. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, thank you for sharing it. <laughs> and yeah. it's true about life, isn't it? It's, it's to have that steadiness, no matter what arises is beautiful. And so many different ways to, to look at uh, the emotions that most people would go through in either of those times, right? The, the disappointment and the elation, right? So very easy for anyone to relate to that. Oh, how would I feel in that situation? And yeah, most people would show a lot more emotion in that, but it takes a steady mind to be that even temper in both, right? Right. I mean, there's that, that um, you want to, cultivate the steady mind but also the idea of not getting attached to either emotion whether it's the, the shock and the grief of loss or whether it's the elation the joy of oh everything's fine I'm still rich or you know whatever because now I'm thinking about, you know, another thing that we talk a lot about in the context of my work as a happiness expert is, you know, so many people have this mindset of chasing happiness where, um, I mean, ultimately I do believe that to, to, that we all want and desire to be happy and peaceful uh, in our lives. Um, but a lot of times people have this mindset of chasing happiness, uh, chasing the good life. And so because they have this mindset, they're always, you know, trying to figure out what's that next thing, the next thing and the next thing that's going to help them feel happy. And in that quest, they actually go far astray and end up doing all kinds of things that have the opposite impact that actually end up compromising their ability to experience happiness now and um, or even actually for that matter achieving happiness in the future because it's like um, that's just not a happiness promoting mindset <laughs> so um, even to get attached to um like a, in this way of where you're like not okay with not feeling happy <laughs> it, it can it can create problems 
Yes, it can. It can. Attachment for sure. And I think you mentioned two words, want and desire, which are pretty powerful words too, right? So if is someone in a space of wanting or in a space of desire, yes, it does bring a, the awareness of satisfaction that's already there. So this is certainly what in our world we've um, encouraged, supported, created, all of that. Okay, so in that, it's, it's an important understanding for us to have uh, about the human psyche and just understanding. But yeah, it's um, definitely, so So that's good. Like, I think you're doing fantastic work in terms of happiness. Um, and then in terms of, just so it's clear, um, in grief recovery, it's not so much about getting to happiness and pulling away from grief, but so just so that's clear, but recognizing that both are happening simultaneously yes. for sure. Yes, yes, exactly. And like you said, to appreciate both and to listen to the message that each is trying to give you because what we talk about in my work is that every emotion is there to give you some feedback on you know what you're needing um and uh, and and so in, in the context of what we might term negative emotions uh, you're getting feedback of something that you need or like a need that's not being met and so your your heart your mind your body they're trying to give you a clue about what to do or what to what direction to move in so that you can meet that need that's not being met and uh like i was saying earlier with the positive emotions uh the the feedback is hey we want more of this you know so it's just about listening to that feedback and um uh and and you know honoring it and doing what you can to to um to be guided by by this feedback because um you know to have that trust that your body knows what it needs that your inner self your heart can guide you towards what it needs and that you know really um that inner guidance um is the most trustworthy guidance for you Thanks for that, Sonia. It's again, it sounds um, really good. From what I hear about the happiness um, focus, um, in my my understanding of it, and again, this might not be the understanding that you're trying to convey, it sounds very straightforward. It sounds very much like um, psychology to me, like or psychotherapy, because it's very much about understanding okay, this emotion again used to to utilize as um giving us direction that sort of idea mm -hmm. and then in grief recovery um yes emotion i would say that it looks at it more as a totality which i would think faith does too so faith looks at everything the totality so even the the story that you shared i think that was very much about the totality that if we look at that whole story together yeah. we can see that yeah neither the good nor the not so good stayed it was all that total experience of 
yeah. this concept, right? Yeah. That, I think, is one of the things that a lot of people are not so aware of. So rather than seeing the totality, because it always seems like it's too much. So if I can narrow it down and break it down into pieces, but yeah. this, this is the microcosm of the human individual experience reflecting the macrocosm of the world around us. When we thought about that, remember the world was one world and then we created division, right? We created like, here's this country and this country. This is what we do in terms of emotions in ourselves. So in terms of here's my happiness, here's my sadness, this, right? That yeah. which even looking at ourselves as complete so if i treat this part of my body i treat depression if i'm treating depression then i also treat sleep or that sort of yes. idea yes okay. so it became very compartmentalized yes yes i take that point very well from you um and yes when i talk about emotions you're right um i am pulling into uh, or from my um, learning in the context of positive psychology training and at the same time I do recognize there are different frames uh, one of the things I do appreciate about even the positive psychology uh, framing and understanding of emotions is that especially like in the context of uh, thinking about happiness um, for example um Positive psychology research recognizes that um, in order for us to be happy in a sustainable way, where, you know, we can sustain our our happiness, we can be in control of our happiness. Um, it, it's not just about one thing. There are at least five different pillars of um, he mental health that have been identified and they include you know like um, the broad pillars so they include you know like uh, an awareness of uh, and, and it being an attention to your physical health for example so um, uh, uh, you know uh, but then also another there's another pillar of well looking at are you living life with a sense of meaning and purpose? Are you utilizing um, your your strengths that you have? Are you living in uh, in a way that you know is authentic um, to 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 your values and so forth? Uh, so that's like a whole uh, a pillar of of mental health. Then the other pillars, um, uh, you know, are about. Um, do you have the skills and the knowledge to uh, to be resilient when the hard times hit because um you know again it, it's an acknowledgement of of the, the the realities of our life that not everything is always going to be like you know a straight line or an upward line in terms of just uh, what we perceive to be positive things happening all the time or we will not always be experiencing what we label as positive emotions and so when when something happens that we perceive to be bad in our lives like the sinking of the ship that carried all of my investments uh, how do you re respond to that in the moment but then also how do you be resilient in that moment um so that's like its own pillar and then 
uh, one of the the pillars that I will highlight now is uh, that positive psychology also recognizes is that of your sense of spiritual connection and spiritual development. And so like when you take this this kind of broader perspective of happiness and what it means to be happy and how you can be happy, I think it starts to move us in more of that direction that you have been highlighting for us with the grief recovery model of, you know, sort of looking at more of the totality of of the of the situation and everything that we are and that we're experiencing yeah definitely well i hope so i hope i do believe again it's again from i can see the totality with those five pillars that you're utilizing which is again what even western medicine yes um, even when we look at western medicine for the longest time it's been the mental emotional physical and spiritual aspects mm -hmm. yet then when we actually look at the actuality of what's happening often it is first work with this and then we're yes. this. Right? Yeah. So it becomes really differentiated yes and that is something, like just someone like i'm sure your clients when you work with them you're chatting with them about how to combine it all together right so that it just feels like okay in this i'm doing all of it and this is the same idea in terms of uh, grief recovery too, that it's the same. Uh, this is how we look at the whole thing, even though we recognize that these different pieces are existing, but it's all happening simultaneously. That sort of idea. Yes, yes, yes. Allows our mind to integrate again, right? We've become very dissociative in our thinking in terms of this is here, even when we think about I can talk about grief to my psychotherapist. I can talk about grief to my family, but when I'm at work, I can't talk about it. And I can't think about it. And meanwhile, we're the same person in every situation that we're in, right? So if we've yes. got this, we can actually manage at work and we can actually manage at home because the yes. process of working on, on this is what we're carrying. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is such an excellent point. And now you've reminded me of a conversation I was having with one of my friends who is a trauma survivor herself and now is also doing amazing work as a disability justice um, uh, person. And, um, and so we were having a conversation about disability justice in the context of, uh, of the workplace. Uh, because like uh, in the context of disability justice work, we also recognize um, mental trauma or uh, mental disorders, um, you know, that impact uh, our, our lives as, uh, as forms of disability or that can have disabling impacts, I should say, on, on our lives. And so, you know, for example, somebody who is a survivor of abuse um, or other trauma um, and they are still in that phase of either they are currently going through the crisis or in the very early stages of recovery from that crisis their mental health is impacted by that and that impacts not only their life at home 
but it's also impacting their life at work. And what happens in the context of disability justice work is that exactly like you were saying, there's this expectation in society of compartmentalization that you leave behind whatever is happening in your personal life outside of work that when you are at work you just focus on work but it's not really really possible uh, especially when when you're dealing with um, I mean if, if if what you're dealing with at home is uh, or the trauma or, or the the issues or the challenges you're dealing with if they're relatively mild maybe you can leave that behind <laughs> when you're at work but when when there's a major when you're experiencing a major trauma um you know and and struggling to recover from that it is going to impact every area of your life and you cannot leave it out yeah what's interesting Sammy, is who's determining whether it's mild or not i mean well, yes it's so, so it brings up a lot, right? When you even say this, yes. in my opinion, anyway, yes. I get it. In terms of when we look at, you know, insurances would cover a certain amount. In terms of um, the workplace itself, we'll look at things from its own perspective. The family may or may not be forgiving of now spending more time at work and you're supposed to be here so that who measures that trauma or that strain or that right so even when there is um someone who is very clearly going through a grief yes. let's say <clears throat> a mother has lost a child yes yeah. when that happens excuse me let me take one more sip of water here when a mother has lost a child and then a sibling has lost a sibling mm. who determines who is affected more Right. So when we yeah. think about this, yes. this is why when we're looking at how society is shaping itself, right. we're not just doing things purely out of compassion. So then what happens? A person knows that they can get potentially yeah. some compassion, maybe for compassionate leave <clears throat> or um, sick leave. Let's say everyone's aware that Oh, no one wants it a diagnosis. We know this. Yeah. And yet you look at why depression and anxiety are the highest diagnosed conditions right now. How much of it is this is actually happening? How much of it is that the mind is leading itself to that space because it needs that break from work so badly? Yeah. Right? So all of this. Yeah. And this is what we as a society have said, well, if someone has this, then they can have yes. time off. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what my friend was <laughs> trying to highlight. Um, and uh, that this is a problem, that, that this way of thinking, because ultimately, um, I guess, uh, yes. And so the fact that, again, we should not sit in judgment of either our emotions or other people's emotions i mean especially like other people's emotions in this when it comes to our relationships it's like how can you even begin to judge someone else's emotions you can't feel what they're feeling you can't you don't you, you cannot experience what they're experiencing uh, so how can you judge it it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense 
<laughs> so it's yeah. like uh, it's it's very uh, normal has become very normalized though right yeah. um, or i believe it has i think because we're not starting with understanding compassion for ourselves then we're not so compassionate towards others either so when we fully understand our own experiences not to be selfishly understanding but understanding that wow this is a huge impact on me in all of these ways now i can actually understand someone else too when we don't even understand ourselves and what's the time being given to understanding ourselves the only time we give to understanding ourselves is when crisis hits right yeah it's and then that's become the cycle in life yes finish this understand this and then get to the emotions so yes. now that you've done this xyz now you can work on this this is yes. almost like the the fun time now you get to understand emotions um which is really i mean it's always been part of the totality of the picture yes and what society is shaping us to right that uh, we can see that wow with so much grief in the entire world we're all taking this on whether we see it in tv whether we see it in um hear it in the radios we watch it in movies all of these things and we're also less sensitive to it too because yeah. so much of it yes right That's so true. when we are able to watch movies that have so much aggression and violence we become less sensitive to it so then in every city when we hear about this is how many murders have happened in a month no one's surprised anymore any almost any yes. number is bad and it's just kind of a way of life now when we're not even aware of that outside of us we're certainly not aware of inside us too it's going both ways yes if we get that that awareness within ourselves oh we'll have that compassion then stepping out to the world yeah. which makes a big difference yes ah uh. So much we've expanded so much Samia do you think that do you think that we've overwhelmed the listeners <laughs> I mean uh it's probably a good idea for us to wrap up for for today it's just you keep bringing up so many excellent points I can't help myself asking the next question and the next question but you're right let's uh move towards wrapping up for for today do you have any last thoughts or words you'd like to share I'd love to share the fact that working through grief, which would mean grief recovery, again, grief recovery is just the term, but if anyone who is watching is understanding that we're carrying a lot of conflicting emotions within ourselves, when we can look at things equally, we will look from within ourselves equally and we'll look outside ourselves equally. And that, I believe, can bring the peace to ourselves and to the world around us that we're all deserving. Indeed. So on that very positive and hopeful and wise note, uh, we will wrap up for today. And for my last reminder, I will remind you who's listening to please make sure you check the show notes because we will be adding Hanifa's uh, links in the show notes so you can reach out to her, learn even more from her. get some help and support whenever you're ready for it and until we connect next time i just wish you lots and lots of peace and joy namaste everyone